Jordan Sanchez, and you're listening to Data, De Aquí y De Allá, a weekly podcast where individuals championing our communities become a collective of healing through storytelling, a true team effort. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll continue to tune in. Ah! Okay, that was my total fangirl squeal. Justin Favela is here. His pronouns are he, him, a.k.a. Fabi Fab. He is a multimedia artist and host of LWL Latinos Who Lunch. Justin, thank you so much for being on Data. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you have definitely been on my dream guest list from Jump because I'm going to go total fangirl and let you know the secret of how I even found y'all. I was okay. randomly looking for a new podcast to listen to. I've, I found you in early 2008. And I said to myself, I was like, self, I need to listen to more brown voices. So I just started searching Latino, Latino, whatever else. And, and y'all came up and I tried about a half dozen. And hearing your voices really stuck with me because y'all were having conversations that I was having with my friends and family and colleagues. But you were also having conversations that I wished I was having with them. So right away, you caught my attention. And full disclosure, for the first handful of episodes, I actually thought your voice was Babelita's voice and vice versa, because I couldn't put the um, the voice to a face yet. So yeah. long story short, that's how I found y'all. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people mix, mix us up. And when they meet us in person, they're like, so confused that that you know the 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 voices don't match up to the people because we don't we don't really do a lot of video stuff until now thanks covid <laughs> i guess i know <laughs> <laughs> some good has I'm come of it now. some good has come of it but um so as a host of latinos who lunch can you tell my listeners what your connection to latin america is well i am technically latino <laughs> but actually <laughs> Latine, um, <laughs> however you want to identify. Um, my my mom is Guatemalan and my dad is Mexican, and they immigrated to the states in like the seventies and eighties, and that's how I showed up here in Las in beautiful, sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. So um, I identified more with my Guatemalan side of my family growing up because my parents split at an early age when I was at an early age. And, um, and then I, I started getting closer to my Mexican side of the family, like after high school. Um, so, uh, a lot of that is, is, uh, a, a lot of that, the kind of like double identity within Latinidad has been like a huge factor in, in my artwork, for example, as a visual artist, like kind of figuring out my identity. Um, but then also all these little nuanced things about Latinidad that people don't really have to think about if they're like, you know, come from a strong like Chicano background or like if you're on the East Coast and you're Puerto Rican, right? Like you have a very distinct culture. So coming from, uh, you know, being Guatemalan and Mexican, like I, I, I understood what code switching was and like the intricacies and differences in the, in the, in language from a very young age that I think was, uh, um, was, 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 I think uh, an experience that not a lot of Latinos have, right. If they don't have that kind of like duality when they're growing up. 
So you mentioned you grew up in Las Vegas and you're an artist. Uh-huh. Can you pinpoint the moment where you decided artistry was going to be your jam? Um, I mean, yeah, I think I decided I was going to be an artist uh, in college. And even when I was in college, I wasn't sure. I was really into music um, when I was in in uh, middle school. And so I was uh, in band from middle school through college, actually. And then w- once I got to college, um, I took an art class and it was over. Once I took that art class, I was like, this is it. Um, I can bullshit this better than I can bullshit playing the tuba. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with this, you know? And so uh, I think that was like, I'll, I'll say that the moment I decided to be an artist was like my junior year of college. Um, so that was like 20, I don't know. I don't even remember. 2007, I think. Okay. So it was a little later on into the yeah. existence. Okay. I think I remember taking my first art class when I went to high school in, at Crenshaw and one of our first tasks was to outline the profile of a Native American man. And that was it for me. I was like, I'm good. I'm going to continue on being a soccer player. <laughs> this isn't quite it for me because I just didn't have access to what artist really was or what it meant. And that's one of the beautiful things about um, listening to Latinos Who Lunch. And one of the ways that I explain to folks what your podcast is about because once anyone will give me the time of day I'm just gonna like go all in and let them know you have to listen to this podcast it's amazing it's a practicing artist his name Justin it goes by Fabi Fab and then it's an individual who is an academic in art and it's really interesting to see the duality of that relationship so that's something that is really neat and if Anyone will hear me out. I will tell them all about y'all and just spill the beans about how much I adore you both. Um, and speaking of, y'all recently announced that you're going to be sunsetting LWL yes. at year five. What has been one of your favorite moments as as a podcaster? Um, definitely meeting the the community that. Uh, Latinos Who Lunch indirectly slash directly fostered because I, I I guess I didn't realize that having a podcast would would uh, form a community online that eventually turned into a real life community um, and that that has been the greatest gift so like even like two years ago I was so uh, overwhelmed with like my art career and like managing my installations and traveling so much, but no matter what town, no matter what city I went to, I could just go on Instagram and be like, Hey guys, I'm in Colorado Springs today. Anybody, any listeners here? And I would find a listener would reach out and I would go have coffee with them. You know what I mean? And just like hang out. So it's like anywhere I went, I would have instant friends. I'll never forget. I like missed a flight or something. And so my only option was to take a Greyhound bus from like Reno to Sacramento. It was like some weird ass shit. And I just was like, I need a ride. And I just started <laughs> I just started texting on my phone, like, anybody in Sacramento? And I met these amazing women that are that are Latinx therapists in Sacramento. Wow. And they have a podcast now. They're called Nopal Queens. But anyway, I met them and um 
And so that has been the that has been the most amazing thing I would say about podcasting. That's really. Is there anything that has surprised you um, in terms of like the technical or like back back end of being a podcaster that um, people wouldn't necessarily know? I mean, it's a. I think it's a uh, surprising how much work it is to have a podcast. Um, You know, you listen to podcasts all the time, and uh, you think, "Oh, I could do that." And you're right; anybody could do it. But like Latino Solange, Babalito, and I. Um, with the exception of Maite helping us, who Maite Sosa, who has another podcast, uh, but she helps us like on the administrative side with like emails and stuff like that. But uh, everything else, like our editing, our social media and stuff, and just the our, our product, our producing of, of content and stuff, that's all on us, and it's it's a lot of work. And so. Um, for a while, I was the only one doing everything, and it was like it took over my life. Like it was like, okay, we got to have an episode every week. What are we doing? You know, and yeah, it just like became it. It like became my job for a while. So yeah, yeah, I was actually taking notes, like as you shared, kind of like the tough parts of it and and the things that you needed and how you needed a break and didn't realize that you were going so hard for so long without taking a break. I was taking notes. I was like, self, (laughs) as soon as I launched this thing, I'm going to have to be very diligent about some breaks, dividing and conquering. So all these other things. So thank you for going through it (laughs) so that I could take some notes because it it, it really is a lot in having the team that I do is really a game changer because I can't even wrap my head around attempting to do this on my own. So shout out to my team. Shout out. Shout out. What are your top five lunches to have? Oh my God. I want to talk about food. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. (laughs) In real life. Well, you know, I I go back and forth because I have an interesting relationship with food. I mean, as a fat person, and then also like as a newly um, appointed representative of the vegan community. Ooh la la! <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, I like I like food uh, on so many levels, and um, I like food that is very diverse and can be eaten in several iterations. So my favorite favorite food is nachos. Um, because of the history of nachos, because, uh, you know, they're not really Mexican food. Some argue that they are Mexican food because they were originally, uh, invented on the border. Um, but it's more, it's known more as the Tex-Mex food, you know? And, um, I like the, I like the history of nachos and also just the textures, you know, I love a crunch. And, um, I mean, there's just so many different varieties. So I would say nachos is my number one lunch. Um, but only if I can get them fresh. And that's the thing that that is really important that I just want to tell everybody <laughs> is like, there's only certain foods that you can have delivered to your house. And nachos isn't one of them, unfortunately. Because by the time you get them home, they're soggy as hell. And I'm sorry, tacos aren't good either. Like the only good thing, <laughs> no. No, you don't want a soggy chip. You don't want a, 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 a cold tortilla. So like if if I... My second would probably be burritos. That's like my second one. 
And because that's the only really good thing. Like quesadillas and burritos are the only thing from Mexican restaurants that actually are good when you get them. They travel home. pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Those travel really well. Um, so, you know, um, I feel like those two are probably my top two. You said top five, right? Yes. Oh my God, this is hard. <laughs> this is so hard. What is your, while I think of the next three, what are your favorite? What's your favorite <sighs> lunch? Okay. One of my favorite go-to lunches as of late, actually not as of late. I eat this pretty regularly, unfortunately. Um, classic Salvadoreña. I love me some pupusas. Of yes. course, there's a local spot here in Atwater that I've been going to for the past seven years now. It's called Delmi's, and I can't wait to have her on. She has an amazing story. Um, oh when I'm American name, I love it. <laughs> when I'm feeling like I can spend a little more on my lunch and I can split a sandwich with like Miguel, we'll order a Langer's pastrami. <laughs> so we're talking about like favorite lunches, not like something I would have on the regular. Yeah. Um, and then, oh gosh, I love food so much. Um, there's this other Salvadorian restaurant, um, that I like ordering finest con pollo from. And that's one of the things that actually doesn't travel well, but because they put the sauce on the side, oh, it's yeah. super good. So I'm a fan of that. Um, see, okay. I didn't realize I was going to stump you. Dang. Like there's so much food, but I also don't want to like drag myself about like what I'm eating on the regular. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I would say nachos, burritos. I I am trying to do my best not to eat fast food, but now like like Burger King and Carl's Jr. They like have Beyond and Impossible Meat. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I love I love a processed meat, like a fake processed meat. <laughs> the faker it tastes. It's the, the Beyond one that one that also has blood coming off of it when it's yeah, cut. That seems a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> they put beet juice in it. You know, white people really love to show up. Um, so they're like, we did this. Let's make it bleed. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I'll say, I'll say like veggie burgers or like uh, fake meat burgers, you know, American. I do enjoy I a burger. That. You know, I do love that. Um, and then I love just comfort food, you know? So like, give me a good place plate of rice and beans and I'm down. I love it. So I want I'll say I'll be more specific. So this will be my last two. Mexican rice and beans like the like the red rice, you know, and with, the beans that they cook in the lard, those are the most delicious ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and then on on like uh un plato typico de Guatemala like the breakfast plates. It's like Salvador, very Salvadoran too like the like frijoles negros with plátano frito with Some a kind little of bit dairy of dairy product, crema or queso. Of, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of queso, a little bit of crema, some eggs, tortilla, like desayuno uh, typico guatemalteco that always fucking hits the spot. Because if you have a bolillo, if you have bread, you can like put it in there. Oh, it's so bomb. Make a nice little yeah. Sammy. I, I'm a fan. I've got plantains in my fridge right now. Um, yes. So, yes. You are actually one of the individuals that I've been paying attention to in regards of your or talking about your relationship to food. So then I started thinking to myself, I was like, self, what's my relationship with food? Because for a long time, I was like, well, I eat when I'm happy. I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm sad. I'm like, I eat during all the emotions. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So so I really enjoy that you've been really open about sharing your 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 journey with your relationship to food and I've actually been a little more attentive to 
if I'm feeling especially sad, like what am I eating? Or if I'm feeling like especially happy what I'm eating. So how has your journey evolved since you... Well, I'm not sure where it was when you first shared it with us, but since you shared it with the audience, like how have you yeah. seen it now evolve more so? I think I think I'm taking more action now instead of just recognizing that like I'm an emotional eater, right? That's mm-hmm. basically what you just described it. Like yeah. I'm the very same way. Like, okay, let's celebrate. Let's go eat. Yes. Or or fuck, that really what that person said to me really made me spiral and now I'm depressed and sad or whatever. I'm gonna go eat my feelings, you know? And I joked about it for years. And I think now I'm in a place where, okay, duh, I know I'm an emotional eater. And I've cut out a lot of vices in my life. Like I don't drink or smoke anymore. Congrats, and so, that's huge. That's huge. And it wasn't like a I mean, it was conscious. I've been trying to do it for years, but like it was just time. Like I'm in my thirties now and my body was like, yes, it's time. You need to stop treating us like trash. You know, that was my organs talking. <laughs> Same. I d- I've been really pressing myself yeah. to eat more vegetables. I was going to say one of my top five foods now is salad, sadly, but like my, my heart, my arteries, everything's like more vegetables, please. Yes, please. <laughs> We're dying here. <laughs> but I guess now the only difference is like, I, I, I recognize the the urge to to want to damper those feelings because I, I realized that even when you're happy that because of of like it's like the immigrant mentality and like growing up evangelical christian and like blue collar whatever you want to call it or, or not even blue collar because my family is was poor for a very long time um like expressing joy is also looked at as um excessive and like and uh you know it's like it's like if you're happy and you know it it's a sin you know it's like very Mm -hmm. catholic also Mm -hmm. and so repressing joy is also like cultural in my family anyway like you need to calm the fuck down okay like we get it you're happy right but one way that's culturally acceptable to show love and, and happiness is by eating and by sharing food and making a meal and sharing a meal with your family. You know what I mean? So it's all kind of, it's all fucked up and tied into everything. So I guess the only difference now to finally get to my point is that, um, I recognize the feelings now. And instead of like going directly to, to kind of calm the voices down in my head, I'll actually think about what I'm thinking and like, uh, say it out loud or write it down or address you know, it, yeah. like, like you know actually um god i can't even talk right now i'm so sorry i've 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 been watching survivor um, <laughs> yes i'm all caught up on your life because i listen in every I'm all, week i've been watching survivor the last <laughs> since the pandemic started and i just did a marathon of like six episodes uh yesterday so my brain is completely mush You're like in survivor I, mode I have like reality TV brain right now, but uh, now I take the time to process my feelings before processing uh, the food <laughs> with hey, my body. You know what? I you like know what that. I mean? Yes, process and, the feelings before processing the food. Yeah, and I and I tend not to to binge eat as much because of that, and actually enjoy the food more. You know, so it's definitely slowly changing my relationship with food. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's a, yeah. yeah, I love that you said that because I remember for a while there, um, I would eat 
And depending on what I was eating, I was like, well, it's not good right now, but I bet like if I keep eating and it's going to get better, then it never got good. And then I was like, I just ate this plate of food hoping it would get better, but it never did. So yeah. that was one of the things that I started to recognize the, the older I got in regards to my relationship with food. But to your point about that immigrant mentality, I didn't grow up going out to eat at all. Like that wasn't even a treat for us. Like every blue moon, maybe we would go somewhere. So as an adult, when I started making money, I was like, oh, now I'm going to take myself out to wherever I want. I'm going to live the American dream. And I remember one of these American dreams for me in my like 19 year old head was, oh, I'm going to have like a proper American dinner with steak and potatoes and the green beans and the salad, like the whole nine. So I would take myself to norms and just like oh, have a, like a proper American dinner. And I was like, yes, I did it. I'm American. <laughs> uh, I spent so much money in college just on eating out just because I had a little job and I had student loans and I was like, I'm fucking rich. I'm yes, going to eat exactly. it. exactly. I'm going <laughs> to eat like it. Yeah, Fridays. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to eat Fridays every night. I don't care. Oh, man. I could have bought so many houses with all the money <laughs> on, on food and alcohol in college. Same. And, and that, that was actually an ongoing thing for me the further I got into my career. It's like the more money I made, the more extravagant my meals would become and the like yeah. nicer places I would go to. But also as of late i'm you know taking the time to take a beat and say self there's food at home first of all you can't be spending all this money on groceries and then still go out and i know there's like floaty memes all around the internet about this but it's so real it's yeah real and scary <laughs> so you you've actually yeah, shared is. quite a bit about your personal experiences throughout the podcast is this something that you have to meditate on before you share or is it sporadic that's a great question because i don't even rem i don't even know what i've shared on the podcast mm. so like when i'm on the podcast on latinos who lunch i um i'm favi fav so so i kind of code switch into i kind of get into this character of favi fav um which which is me. It's just like a heightened version of myself. And, and like, I understand that my role on the show or I made it my role on the show to kind of be the comic relief a little bit. I love so, that. Okay. <laughs> I'm always just trying to make a joke and, but it gets, yeah. you know, some episodes do get pretty serious and I feel like, um, I love podcasts where people share their personal experiences. So I've been, I've just been very open from the very beginning. And sometimes I know that I overshare. And so I'm just trying to, trying to find that balance, you know? And I think I have found it. I do share a lot of personal stories. I just leave out a lot of details to protect people, you know, that might be listening or, or that people that know me better, you know? So, so I don't hurt people's feelings. And like recently, I think. Uh, I don't know why you would, but people have gone back to listen to really old episodes. And I think we're Pavelito, feeling nostalgic. <laughs> I know. I think Pavelito said something negative or not the best about one of his family members. And so he recently apologized on the air and like, that's great. I don't think I would, I would never do that because I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not going to go back. I, 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 I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to balance, but 
it's been interesting because from the jump, we were using fake names, like our internet names, yeah. our pseudonym, because uh, Bavelito's an academic and he didn't, you know, we wanted to speak freely on the show and not have to worry about the white man listening to our conversations, you know? He's and always so, listening. <laughs> but because of that, I think we've, we're kind of liberated from the very beginning from, from kind of hiding how we really feel. So I feel like we've, we've been, I've been pretty open from the jump. Well, that's really interesting that you mentioned that because, yeah, I mean, the beauty of the podcast too has been, at least for me, because I've been listening from years back and I even went back to your archives to kind of catch up. It's like listening to the growth of y'all as individuals too, like even talking about mental health and going to see a therapist, like, and just listening to this growth has been really helpful. And yeah, to your same point, like it's not necessarily something to apologize for. It's like we're evolving as individuals and that's just part of the process. I was actually talking to um, my partner about this and about politicians um, in general. It's like there isn't going to be one politician that we're ever going to agree with 100% or an individual that I agree with 100% or because when I do agree with anyone 100% of the time, it's because I just don't know them that well because there's always going to yeah. be something where our paths are just like not adjacent to each other and and you know we're not in line with that so yeah and ha- i think having a public p- platform like a weekly podcast for me has given me a little bit more empathy for for people for you know public figures online because i know that i've said really ignorant dumb shit last week on my podcast you know but like <laughs> You go back for the five years. Yeah, there's there's things that I stood for back then that I do not anymore. Absolutely. And so now, with the internet culture that we have now, people like digging old shit up and canceling people for old shit. Like personally, myself, I don't hold the people to what they said before. I see how they have evolved, how they have unlearned, or maybe learned in the past, you know, five, six, 10 years, however long ago they quoted something fucked up on Twitter, you know, but, um, but if they double down on their ignorance, that's when I'm like, okay, bitch. Yeah. You're canceled. You know what I mean? Like, yes. But I mean, I think the biggest thing about Latinos for lunch is Babelito and I did have like a kind of a jokey dismissive mentality about like therapy and mental health in the beginning. And then when we actually started getting help, we are, 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 um, it was a complete 180. Like we totally were like, Hey, we just want to apologize and be, and I can't believe we just dismissed, you know, some listeners by, by not acknowledging the importance of therapy and, and, you know, mental health. So yeah, there's been a lot of learning and it's given me a different perspective for sure. And I think the best part about it is is now I, I give a lot of people more grace than I would have before with dumb shit that they've said in the past because I say dumb shit every week. <laughs> yeah, and, and I actually live by that rule too. It's like I'm becoming a better version of myself every single day. I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to make mistakes. Otherwise, then what's the point of continuing to grow as an individual? But I'm very conscious of being in front of like, oh, shoot, like I didn't have all the details on this particular issue let me make sure that i mean i'm never going to know everything about everything and that's also something that people really need to just make peace with it's like no one's going to be like a savant well-rounded individual on all things so it's also giving myself grace and giving others grace which i think is really important 
Let's talk about Ethel's Club. Ethel's Club is a Black-owned social and wellness club designed for BIPOCs to thrive. It's a dynamic community built to center, ground, and inspire. I've been a member since late 2020, and I can assure you the vibes are phenomenal, the community is solid, and the gems that are dropped during events keep me coming back. They provide weekly online events that feature a multitude of talented individuals that share their skills and passions. Ethel's Club is generously giving data listeners a month of free access to their platform. To send us an email letting us know why BIPOC community is important to you, you can send your email to hello at teamdata.com. You can get a free week trial by going to ethelsclub.com. That's E-T-H-E-L-S-C-L-U-B.com. See you there. What has been some really great advice that someone has given to you in regards to this existence, not necessarily being an artist or a podcast, but in general, what's, what's some really great advice that you've received? Um, to know your worth and to um, give yourself time to process things and to relax. Because like I said before, I was like nonstop for like two years. And I totally like crashed and burned because I didn't give myself time to repair, time to, you know, just gather my thoughts. A lot of times I would just go, 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 go. And then one of the reasons I was going so hard was because I also didn't, didn't think I was worth anything. So I was underselling myself for so many years because, uh, you know, because I mean, in the art world, you don't really know how much to charge for stuff. You're just like grateful for the opportunities you get. And so over the years, just meeting artists that are, you know, mid-career past me, you know, like pros saying like, what? You're killing yourself every day for this much? Dude, you need to, you need to really reevaluate your quality of life, you know? So that was some great advice. Shout out to the artist, uh, Gabriel Daw, he's a Mexican artist who, who saw me doing an installation and was like, bro, this is, let me tell you something. Come here. Let me show you something. <laughs> like, I this is that. my schedule. This is how I do things. And you need to, you need to really take care of yourself. And then I think, uh, the, also, I think a really good, um, advice that I got from one of my old professors at UNLV, one of the art historians out there, she said, she's like, you got something special. She's like, you don't really like to study or read, but you got something special. I think you should. She said, she said, you just got to fake it till you make it <laughs> and you will. And I did. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so um, that was really great advice. Do you find that the art community has been pretty open, just like this individual that you just mentioned? Do you find that to be commonplace for the art community or was that moment pretty rare? I think that was super rare because uh, because of who it was coming from. Because uh, academics have like a very uh, direct path uh, many times. And there's like just certain ways that you move through institutions like universities. Um, so. Um, she that that professor was kind of a one of the you know like a hippie professor you know so that was a, a special moment but i feel it it, it it really depends on what part of the art world you're talking about because when it comes down to like you know local like 
community for community spaces, yes, I would say everybody's really open and amazing. But then when you get higher up to institutions where there's gatekeepers and certain ways that things work, and then that bleeds into like art market politics and stuff, then it's like, uh, it, it's the opposite of, uh, of that, right? It's very, um, it's just, it's, it's very regressive, <laughs> you know, it's like, God, this sucks. In terms of, of dollars and cents, so the other individual you mentioned that was like, hey, this is my schedule. This is maybe they shared how much yeah. they're ma- making based off of that. Do you find that conversation is pretty normal? Are are there artists open to saying that? And if they're not, um, do you think it would be helpful for the community to start opening up? Yeah. And so, um, you know, doing Latinos to Lunch and being an artist and traveling and talking to so many artists around the world now at this point, like that's one thing that white supremacy has got on lock. Like these ideas that we shouldn't talk about our income to one another because it's tacky or it's just like, like it's not, uh, what's the word? Like, it's just like, uh, it's, it's not proper etiquette to talk frowned about. Upon. Your <laughs> frowned upon, you know, <laughs> and that's bullshit because rich white, rich white people, they, they talk, talk about, about. They talk about their money all the time, every day. They all they all share their financial, uh, you know, investments and and their advisors with each other. They're all, um, you know, they're all playing the stock market. Not a lot of them, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Shout but, out GameStop and Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> yes, AMC Theaters. <laughs> um, I just invested in Radio Shack. Cross Ayo. your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But um, <laughs> but um, I wish those co- those conversations happen more openly, and because that's the only reason I've been able to raise my rate over the years, is by like finding people that I trust and being like, "How much did you charge to do that?" And they're like, "Well, I charge this much a day," and I was just like, "That's how much I charge for the two entire- weeks. That's but, crazy." Though, yeah. so, like you know, like you just don't know because it's. A museum is not going to be like, oh, you're not charging enough. Absolutely They're never going to say, that. no, yeah. So, oh, that's your rate. Great. <laughs> you know? Um, so you kind of have to figure it out on your own. Definitely. And I think that's a conversation that it's one of my go-to conversations whenever I meet someone new, especially in the field that I'm in and talking to friends who are in different fields. It, it's the same conversation. It's like people would especially women, they're more open to talking about sex than they are talking about money. I'm like, I'd rather talk about money. What happens at my house is none of your business, but let's talk about where I'm at with my salary based on my experience and based on, you know, what, whatever I've been doing to date. So I think that's, that's really important in, yeah. in the artist world. And I think in just in general, we, need, we should be more open about these conversations because it doesn't benefit anyone to keep quiet other than the employers. Yes, exactly. Is there, exactly. is there anything um, about Justin Favela? that we don't know that you think it's important for, for people to not only know, but understand. Is there anything that people don't know? I don't know. I think people know pretty much everything about me at this point. Um, Let's see. What don't people know? You're you're no longer a mystery. (laughs) Well, I think, I think what has, well, if we want to get real personal, since I have no filters and I'm a narcissist and I just talk about myself. This is all uh, Justin all the time. This episode is very <laughs> Justin centric. So by all means. 
Well, I I joke I joke around so much, and I'm like this character, Fabi Fab, all the time that. When I'm having like real emotional or sensitive moments, people think I'm joking, mm. you know, all the time. And that's kind of been something that's something that I didn't really realize until this pandemic, like this year, this past year, because everything for me has been heightened. I'm uh, just because I've had so much time to like think about everything and process everything, process my feelings, process the last 10 years or whatever, you know. And my my own life and like what I actually want to do with the rest of it, which is like so heavy to think about, you know, um, which is like the benefits of being so busy all the time. You're not thinking about that, you know, you're just yeah. like in the moment uh, um, or, you know, relatively in the moment. But um, I don't think even my best, best friends that I consider my family realize like how sensitive I am. You're like, I am so fucking sensitive. Like, <laughs> that it, like if somebody, I don't think people know, like if somebody says something mean or weird to me, like I will be thinking about that one statement they made for like a month. Like if somebody says something like off, you know, off the cuff that hits me the wrong way, like it could send me into a fucking spiral. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how sensitive I am. And I don't think people realize that. And uh, I've had to have conversations with some of my friends recently and be like, you know, when I said that, I didn't really mean that. I was just trying not to react emotionally to what you said. So I just made a joke, you know? And that's like, that's too real for a lot of people, which I realized real quick. So now I'm just like, okay, I just need to like reel it back and like, just like, when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling something, like uh, I, I just need to express it instead of making moment. a joke about it. And it's taken a lot of my, I think it's taken a lot of my friends like off, uh, um, like off guard because they're like, "What? We never knew you were this sensitive." And I'm like, "Yeah, bitch. Like, why the? I'm a sensitive bug." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like, you can't be funny all the fucking time, you know? So I think that's one thing that I don't think people realize about me. Thanks for opening up. That's huge. (laughs) If you pay attention, if you're not, I'm not making fun of people. If you actually pay attention. You would actually listen to me. (laughs) You would actually, you know, like I'm an artist, like artists. I mean, I feel like the fact that I'm an artist and make work about my identity. And I mean, that shows you that I'm sensitive already, but like, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a lot. And also like not to get too like woo woo but like I also like I'm very sensitive to people's energies too. So like if I walk into a room and something fucked up just happened, like I I can sense that shit and it's just like fucks me up, Full you know? Empath. And it's like yeah. Yes, and I I sometimes I wish I did not have that because it just like those energies like yeah. for example, like when I'm doing an art installation and I'm in a in a museum, and there's people standing behind me watching me. If if some of if one of those people has a negative energy, I, it's like I could feel it mm. like steering into me, even if I'm not seeing them. Like I can yeah. feel them behind me, and I'm like, oh god, go away. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. Yeah, those superpowers are a blessing and a curse for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, Joseph, for sharing that. That is actually really deep. And to your same point, it's like people just have to pay attention. Quite frankly, like 
all shade. <laughs> pay attention to your friends. Pay attention to your family. Pay attention to your colleagues. They'll tell you exactly what they want and what their needs are. You just have to pay attention. Yes. And also remember that everybody's in their own world, in their own head. So like, that's another thing. Like another, another fun thing about that is like, nobody's really thinking about you that much. You know, I have to tell myself that all the time yeah. when somebody says something fucked up to me, I'm like, they were, it it's was clearly the, not about me. Something's it's not up about with them. me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And same shit. When I say something stupid to somebody else, I'm like, I was probably having a weak moment. And yeah. I like just it's literally it not you. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is still not nice, but it's like, it, it makes you, it gives you a little bit better perspective, you know? Agreed. Um, yeah. Question. What does, what does success mean to you these days? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I think, I think success has shifted for me. The idea of success has shifted in many ways because of the last year, you know, I was like, uh, a couple years ago thinking, all right, I got to get all my student loans paid off, buy my mom a house, buy myself a house. I'm successful. I'm a successful artist if I could do that, you know, without a day job, just gigging to be able to do that. And now I'm kind of like at a point where I'm getting there. I'm like, do I really want that? I don't know. So I think success for me now is, um, is, just it doesn't matter where I am, where I'm living, if I own property or not. I think it's like, am I healthy? Like for real, am I healthy? Like mentally and physically, am I healthy? Is my family doing? Is is my family doing well? And um, am I am I really um, paying attention to my friendships and making sure those friendships grow and I'm supporting my my own community? with that, with that same energy and I'm getting there, you know? And I think that's, I think that's success. Would it be nice to have a new house? Yes. I mean, <laughs> it will come in the future, but like, but I think the other, the other thing is, is, uh, you know, is more important to me now. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I am wondering well, you've shared some of the really neat advice um, individuals have given you in the past. What's some advice that, what's some sage advice you give away? Oh my gosh. Remember all um, just and all the time. <laughs> make it till you make it is pretty good advice, I would say. Um, like, for example, podcasting, I have no, girl, I hate computers. Like if I didn't have to use a computer, I would not. Um, but I'm my own damn audio engineer. I never knew I would be able to to edit episodes, you know. So if you really set your mind to something, you could do it. Um, and I also feel like the advice I give to a lot of my younger cousins, for example, is to stop thinking of your goals as dreams. Because people dream when they're asleep and we're fucking awake, you know, like, so set goals, don't set dreams. You know what I mean? I like and that. so that's deep. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. It's like, it, and I feel like it, I mean, it all ties back to like white supremacy, right? It's like, doesn't it always though? <laughs> these people are dreaming uh, over here. They're asleep dreaming while these people are taking all our fucking money. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> and 
and living, right? That's they're only taking our money. In reality, they're taking so much more. Right. I don't think they're actually living either. But (laughs) um, so, yeah, just fake it till you make it. You know, I love that advice. And also, um, don't take yourself too seriously because, for example, with Latinos Who Lunch, I was such a control freak about it for the pat for like the first two or three years, like with the way that social media was run and, you know, with the website, I just like wanted everything to be perfect and set at like a NPR standard or whatever, because that's like what I knew. And, um, I started just to let go and, um, you know, and, and that was like really beneficial, I think for my mental health. I think I let go too much, actually, and that's not good. So, you know, do it from the beginning. And I have to find some kind of happy medium. Yeah, so you have a balance. It's all about balance, you know? Well, we are getting close to that time, and I want to know, is there something you're loving these days that you want to give Cinco Estrellas to? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What am I loving these days? We know you're loving Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) i've been watching survivor and drag race and that's it because that's like all i have time for because there's drag race us the regular season there's the uk and i'm also watching drag race the old season two of drag race thailand right now which i do recommend um but uh what else am i feeling right now oh um you know who? You know what? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna shout out Adrian Marie Brown, the 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 author. Um, I think she's amazing. Um, I read recently the book Pleasure Activism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that book. It's amazing. And then also, I'm reading her book now. It's a booklet. I think called You Will Not Cancel Us. Um, and so it's it's about the last year and kind of the the civil rights movements that have been happening. So um, that's what I've been loving lately. I'm trying to think of something Latinx, but the only thing that I've consumed is the Selena series recently. And I do not want to recommend that. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want to give one estrella to? <laughs> that's going to be my next one. <laughs> Selena. Um, one out of five. <laughs> The Selena series maybe gets two out of five. So ah. I don't want to, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, you know, you got to support, you got to support, you know, Latinx media, but, oh, the wigs. I just can't, I just can't. Maybe one and a half because those wigs were bad. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll link the, those books in the booklet on the show notes. Yeah. And by the way, like, again, I've really been like piggybacking off of the knowledge that y'all have shared. And this podcast stands on the shoulders of what you have been doing for five years. And you've been really just generous with your energy and your time. And you did get a little sneak peek at what data was going to become um, before we went live. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. And I just want to say thank you from the fans. Like, we are indebted to y'all in so many different ways because we feel this connection and, you know, many individuals don't even, even before I, I got to know you, I was like, I feel like we're friends, but we're not. It's a little bit of like that yeah. uh, celebrity type of um, feeling where it's like, I bet if I knew this person, we'd be really good friends. 
that's the, <laughs> that's the thing as I've like, I've also met podcasters that I feel really close to. And then it's like a, it's a weird thing. Cause like, you know, every detail about them, you know, if you've been listening to them for years and then you're like, Hey, and you meet them in so real how's life. Your mom? Like, yeah. how do you so how's your grandma? <laughs> so I have to remember that. I have to remember that. My thing is sometimes is like people say they listen to the show, but they only listen to two or three episodes uh-huh. and they feel like, Oh, if they've been listening to five years, like we could just be best friends right now. But then they're like, bro, I just, I barely know you. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I misread the, the, the internet. So please be transparent about how far back in the archives you've gotten. I love that. Well, Justin, thanks again for spending some time with me. Do you have any last, words for the listeners just thank you thank you for everything thank you for listening thank you for listening to this podcast and latinos who lunch i mean the support will continue justin for you and babalito far far after latinos who lunch so i'm just very excited to see what you you're both going to do going forward yes I'm, i'm just so grateful for such a supportive community and um I think that is the that is the hardest part about like moving on beyond Latinos for Lunch is thinking of leaving them behind. But we're not leaving anybody behind, you know. We're 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 all we're, going with you on the next adventure. So all, exactly, <laughs> and I'm just so proud of like there's so many good Latinx podcasts now because I remember when we started there was like five that we could find, and now there's hundreds. Okay, so y'all that's have really incredible. made a ripple in the space time continuum. So. There's friends <laughs> left and right. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, thank you again, Justin. And we'll see you on the other side. I'll keep trolling you on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Bye. Be sure to follow at Team Data on all social platforms. That's at T-E-A-M-D-A-Y-D-A. I'd love to hear your feedback and any topics you'd be interested in hearing. We can send your emails to hello at teamdata.com. Be sure to listen in every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform, including YouTube, for those who appreciate closed captions. Gentle reminder to rate and review the podcast. Five stars only. Thanks, friends, fans, and fam. Until next time. <laughs>